Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. All in the framework of the amount of time it takes for the average person to run a 5K. That's 36 minutes and 38 seconds, give or take a mile. We often go long, so get ready. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Run This World with Nicole DeBoom podcast. I'm your host, Nicole DeBoom, here to bring you an episode filled with education, emotion, fun, a couple technical difficulties that I don't even think you're going to hear, and all kinds of good stuff. Um, And it's all about food and eating and what you put in your body and self-love. I know you're going to love it. Um, If you're like me, after hearing from today's guest, Julie Daniluk, one of the most genuine women you will ever meet, you will have sautéed cabbage for breakfast tomorrow. I literally went out after this interview and bought cabbage, hemp hearts, and pumpkin seeds. I know I'm getting excited, um, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself, because before we get to Julie, I just have to share my current headspace, which is not as fun as what you've just heard. I don't know why, but I'm just sort of feeling emotional. It could be hormones or the fact that I just came off a hugely emotional week with all my skirt ambassadors and my running start graduates. It could be that I'm listening to adult alternative of the 2000s. Alexa, play adult alternative of the 2000s. It's pretty awesome, but makes me emotional. I don't know why. So I have no idea what's going on with me, but... With this headspace, I was struck by a memory that I just want to share with you for no good reason, except that I've been thinking about it. Okay, so here goes. I have a good friend. His name is Dr. James Rouse. And if you are a Run This World diehard, you'll know that he was episode 23 a very long time ago. Dr. James is one of those people who is a true gift to this world. Everyone he touches walks away feeling lighter, happier, freer, just better in some way. So he's been to speak at Skirt Sports a few times, always leaving our entire community completely fired up to live better. Um, And one time when he came to speak, he opened up with a story about his daughter. I think his daughter is graduating from high school. So she was in high school at the time. And he said... Like, this is how one of his previous days went, okay? He'd woken up and meditated, which was his thing, and then he went for an hour run. And when he got home, he was feeling awesome, and he just started, like, crushing his to-do list, and he was so hyper-focused on the list and getting shit done, being a performer, being productive, then... Like when it was actually time to greet his daughter for the day, he opened her bedroom door, popped his head in, and this is what he saw. He saw the junk, the piles, the unmade bed, all the items that would be on a to-do list that he, in his current headspace, was checking off and getting done. And so that day, instead of seeing his daughter, 
and telling her he loved her and like welcoming her into the world that day, he, he focused on the stuff and he kind of just forgot about that. And instead he told her to clean up a room. It was a mess. And how could she stand it? And let's get going and let's be productive. And, and all of a sudden he caught himself and he realized that an important moment was gone and he could never have that moment back. That moment to see past the piles and to smile at his daughter that particular morning and tell her how special she was. So I don't know why that story has stayed with me. I think the point is that we need to remember the important things. And even though we get caught up in doing, performing, checking things off our list, being productive, the most important things in life are the relationships we have. And do you hear that? Wilder's calling me. Hold on, honey, one second. So now that we're all crying, sorry about that, I'll segue to today's guest. Julie Daniluk is a registered holistic nutritionist who came to this field from a lifelong struggle to achieve a healthy relationship with food. So maybe the intro is not too far off because Julie's approach is more about self-love than eating perfection. And when we're better to ourselves, we're better for the world around us. I know you'll walk away with at least one thing that you can implement from this episode, one thing that will stick with you. And before we start, one quick shout out to Skirt Sports, the best women's activewear on the planet. Use the code RUN20 to find something amazing. I'm not going to go into details today. You've heard it before. Basically, our mission is to help Women find happiness in their bodies. So go to skirtsports.com and try something today. Whew. All right. Now it's time. Now it's time to get Julie Daniluk on the show. Well, Julie, how fun to have you on the podcast. What on Thank earth you. have you been doing today? Oh, my goodness. It's just been such a, a we've already been for a little jog this morning. It's just been a uh, a wonderful spring awakening here in the frozen tundra of Canada. And <laughs> I love uh, waking up. We've had our, our very hearty breakfast. If you can imagine, I, I had dinner for breakfast, which is a big habit of mine. So yeah, it's been a, a fun morning. And I'm so looking forward to this call. Oh my gosh, me too. Um, you are, I just, I was thinking about God, what should I call you? And I said, I think she's like a, like a healing artist. Like that's what you do because you're, you're helping people. There are all kinds of things we're going to talk about today, but you're doing it in a way that makes me feel like you're a creator, not just someone trying to fix something or I don't know, quick in and out. No one hit wonders here. You're like creating and everybody's unique. And so I'm thinking of you as a healing artist. Do you like that? I love that. Thank you. I have never been called that before, but I'm going to own it. That's Do very, it. very kind of you. Thank you. Do it. Let's, let's see if it's trademarked. So you mentioned, um, well, you live in this world of food and fitness and all kinds of cool things, but you just mentioned that you ate dinner for breakfast. Can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. So because I need to really create very balanced blood 
sugar levels because when you have balanced blood sugar, you have balanced energy, you have reduced inflammation in the body, you have real longevity. Um, I actually avoid sweets in the morning. A lot of people wake up and have cereal or toast or something like that, where I like to wake up and I actually was in a hurry, so I had stir-fried cabbage that we had for last night's dinner, along with a really nice chicken sausage. And that really fills you up and gives you that power, but it was light enough that it also didn't weigh me down. So I just would really encourage people to try on that habit of skipping heavy carbs and trying something a little lighter, but also very fulfilling. So, I mean, do you go as far as to just like wake up and eat a salad? And I mean, is it like you got to get veggies in the morning? Well, I do need to get veggies. I have to say that um, I really follow the principles of the warming cleanse in this weather because when we're changing, it's really good. In Ayurveda and traditional Chinese medicine, they talk a lot about um, in these shoulder seasons to bolster immunity and to really increase your energy. It's a good idea to cook your, your food a little bit before the summer hits. In the summer, you can handle raw, but right now, it might be a nice idea to warm things up a bit. So I do more stir fries, and I like to do something called a salad soup. So I would pour bone broth or veggie broth, if you're vegetarian, over your salad greens and make like a really quick soup that way, or take a whole bunch of sprouts, like a huge container of broccoli sprouts, because all the all the isothiocyanates, those amazing compounds that are exceptional for athletic performance, if you throw that in right at the end of your your soup, when you're just about to serve it, then you're going to have all the living enzymes just give you a real a, a real boost, right? And all the B vitamins are really going to shine. You don't want to overcook greens, but you do want to soften them down and make them, them easier to digest. Okay. I think everyone listening already has a girl crush on you because oh. <laughs> it just sounds like you're already making our lives better. Like, I want all those healing enzymes. I want this. <laughs> Good. Oh my goodness. I can't wait to share uh, the hot detox with everybody. It really, the, the principles have been around for thousands of years, but you've probably seen an explosion, especially in, in an evolved place like Boulder, a real focus on uh, warming things up, of utilizing broth. Uh, it's become a real trend that I think is going to stick around, which is really exciting. You know, I actually um, did know that many of the elite runners in the world who live in some of the hottest places in the world, a lot of the elite African runners, they come in from these super long runs. And instead of going for ice drinks, you know, they drink hot tea. So, mm -hmm. you know, often when you're thinking about cleansing and detoxing and whatnot, you're, I don't know, you're thinking of, um, what you're thinking of you're the expert here let's talk about that <laughs> yeah I mean my my issue with having frozen cold smoothies as an athlete is that it actually does reduce our peristalsis so our stomach doesn't work as efficiently and I know that with athletes that are working at a very high level when you're in an endurance race it is really hard on your system to to uh have your peristalsis sort of not work as efficiently. You kind of have to have your, your gut working in harmony because, my goodness, it can mean a big disaster if if you end up with, say, IBS when you're in the middle of an, a, a big race. So I think it's important for 
athletes to consider a couple really specific practices to help make sure that the gut stays happy. And I like to call them the three P's. So by embracing more prebiotics, that's really helpful. And that's like your your flax, your chia, that kind of sort of thing. That's why I have lots of chia puddings in my book. I have flax wraps in my book, flax crackers in my book, because I want to make sure that you have all these good fibers that are really beneficial. And then you also want to have probiotic foods, because obviously good bacteria is going to reduce anxiety and boost your actual breathing capacity. It's cool that they just recently discovered that certain strains of probiotics help to reduce any sort of respiratory ailments, which is critical for athletes. And then the, the last one, which is critical, is, is phytonutrients. So as an athlete, you're putting out so many free radicals because of the amount of calories you're burning in an hour that you really do need to bolster up your colors. So having more blueberries, having more pomegranate, all those dark rich colors, like in, in blueberries, for example, anthrocyanins is that rich blue color that really helps to reduce the risk of infection. Because I, I've known a lot of uh, endurance athletes to suffer from infections right after their race, especially if you're running anything as long as a marathon you can really damper down your immune system and we need to bring it back up quickly using all those bright berries. Oh, I love this. So let's, uh, let's break it down a little bit because, sure. you know, most of us have heard of the terms prebiotics, probiotics, phytonutrients, but a lot of times people think, oh, I just go and buy a bottle of probiotics and take that. But what you're saying is like, this is a dietary approach, correct? Yes. But, but one thing I will say is that I do try to take like a really good uh, probiotic capsule and open it and actually make up yogurt, make up cheese using nuts instead of using nuts or seeds instead of using dairy, because that'll create a lot of mucus. I really like to embrace those non-dairy sources like coconut yogurt, for example, and know that you can make really powerful product yourself, or of course, you can buy live probiotic coconut yogurt ready-made for those people who are too busy to be doing the home experiments. So you can, you can really uh, choose your own adventure there, but do make sure that you're getting a rich amount of live cultures because there's billions and billions of good bacteria that live in us and on us, and they actually play a massive role in how we, we can have an immune system that's nice and balanced, whether we can relax our anxiety. You know, a lot of pre-race anxiety could be reduced by having a good probiotic talk to your vagus nerve, because it turns out that your bacteria are really responsible. If you have good bacteria there, it actually sends a message via the vagus nerve to the brain and calms you down, actually helps to reduce that anxiety. So anybody I find out there, especially little kids with a lot of night terrors, once we boost up their probiotics, they often are sleeping better and anxieties are down. And that would certainly translate uh, to a happier household. And for any athlete out there, certainly try it on. Wow. Okay. So what's the difference between prebiotic and a probiotic? Sure. Prebiotics are the actual fibers and, and 
carbohydrates that we don't necessarily digest well, but the good bacteria in our gut go crazy for. And we need to feed the probiotics. Otherwise, they'll just transit and leave our system. So we want to give it good food. So prebiotics are the food for the probiotics. And then the probiotics are the are the bacteria for life. We know they benefit our life versus the negative bacteria, yeast, viruses, parasites that weigh us down. I want you to think of uh, the good bacteria almost like the rebellion going down to kill off the stormtroopers that may be lurking in your system. So I love the fact that the good bacteria are really a focus now, like everyone's loving uh, the the science of the microbiome and how we can change our mood, change our our certainly our immune system by doubling down on probiotics. So the microbiome is basically your, is it like your digestive system as a whole? It's your ecosystem of the bacteria living in your body. Got it. Yep. And so what's funny is just the word bacteria, you think, oh, bad, gross, get rid of it. But the point is we have them. They're in our bodies. Mm. We just want to make sure they're the good ones and that we're keeping them healthy, right? You got it. We absolutely need to double down on the on the good bacteria because, you know, I run public lectures all the time and I ask people, hey, has anybody here been lucky enough to avoid the use of antibiotics? And I'm still to find a person who hasn't needed antibiotics at least once in our lifetime. And antibiotics actually take an entire entire six months to a year to fully recover your microbiome after the use of antibiotics. So it's so important for us to reintroduce the good guys to outcrowd anything that might overgrow because once you use antibiotics, you give sort of yeast in your body the upper hand. So let's really double down on the good guys. So can you talk a little more about yeast in your body? Sure. So yeast, it's really interesting. Did you know that antibiotics are, are typically made from funguses. So let's take an example, one of the most popular antibiotics of all, penicillin. Penicillin was originally cultured off of mold spores. And we have to keep that in mind uh, that certain people are even sensitive to cheeses that have that similar mold spore on it. Like certain brands of brie will actually have a cross reaction to people who are sensitive to um, penicillin. So we do have to keep in mind that we're introducing a uh, basically um, a very strong, um, a very strong drug that will kill off the good bacteria because in your system, there's a war going on. The yeast are making antibiotics and the bacteria are making antifungals. And so there's sort of this wild war happening in your gut. And that's why we have to keep reintroducing the good guys after using probiotics. Otherwise, the yeast will get that upper hand. And we often hear that for women, we hear it as a candida infection, like a vaginal yeast infection. For men, they may experience athlete's foot. Uh, A number of skin disorders can be uh, fungal. Sometimes people can develop fungal pneumonia or a fungal lung infection. So it is quite serious that if we let the yeast overgrow in our system, uh, our health really suffers. And that's why with the hot detox and and meals that heal and, and everything I recommend, 
we really want to reduce the white sugar and the white flour in the diet because those are the foods that that yeast love to grow on. Think about the bread. Think about like a bread without preservatives, how fast it goes moldy. So we do want to avoid all that, uh, yeah, simple carbohydrate and go back to the really hearty vegetables. Like think cabbage again, how it it really loves to be fermented with good bacteria. So we, we want to focus down on the, the good greens that will help provide the right bacteria that will outcrowd the negative bacteria from all the refined food that we've been eating in our past, especially athletes, because athletes kind of feel like they get out of a, a jail uh, free card because, oh, I need energy. So I'm going to pop this energy gel or I'm going to eat this huge amount of cereal because, hey, I need the energy. But we want to make sure that those calories are coming from unrefined sources to really give us that ultimate health. Because I find, oh, I could so get into it right now. I want to just jump into how we make energy, but I know I've been talking too long. No, we need to jump into that really okay. quick before we do. One thing I've sure. noticed that's so cool, and maybe it's Boulder, we're going to have a little more um, exposure to this, but there's a whole section in the refrigerated section of many of the natural food stores that have probiotic foods. So it's not, they're kind of near the, they're near the yogurts, but it's Mm -hmm. got like kimchi and just tons of, you know, fermented different vegetables that have now become cool and hip. And it's kind of fun. I love it. I love it. Yes. And you can just walk through and you're like, okay, maybe I'm going to take a supplement, but now I can eat my probiotics. You don't have to supplement maybe as much. I don't know. But there's just so many great choices and we're getting more educated too. Of course, they're not cheap usually. That's the only pickle. But the good news is, (laughs) very nice pun, is that you can make those darn pickles at a fraction of the cost. Like it cost me about a dollar to make a huge jar of sauerkraut. And it takes about an hour. So if you're somebody who doesn't mind making, say, a pizza – then you can easily make sauerkraut. Like it's way simpler than you think. You're heavily salting and brining cabbage. It takes very little time. And if uh, anyone wants help with that, I have extremely detailed instructions in my book, The Hot Detox. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. No matter what, we're going to be talking about The Hot Detox and sending people um, online to your website so that they can get involved with the programs that you have to offer. So definitely we can talk about any recipes because they know they're going to be able to link there. That's so awesome. All right, so let's uh, let's not forget here to sort of pivot back to talking about energy because you said you're really excited and we have to hear about this. And I just want to say, um, let's make the assumption that everybody listening, while they may not consider themselves like a hardcore athlete, they're listening because they believe health and fitness need to be a priority in their life. And, uh, and we've got people of all levels here. So even if somebody's not out there to like, you know, qualify for the Boston Marathon, it doesn't mean that what they're doing, they can't improve on what they're already doing. So I want to get your take on how we can eat for more energy, better uh, performance, all the good things that come from being athletes. And one of the side benefits of exercising is that we get to eat maybe yeah. a different mindset, right? Yeah. So yeah, let's bring it on. That's beautiful. I absolutely love um, having people understand that 
every every empty calorie you eat from white sugar or white flour is literally like making a withdrawal from your bank account. And people just see sugar and flour as a source of fuel. But instead, I want you to see that you have to actually make a withdrawal from your bank account in order to spend that calorie into energy because we make energy through our our actual mitochondria ends up being able to spin ATP out of our Krebs cycle by uh, having a ton of nutrition on board. So we need a lot of B vitamins. We need a lot of minerals in order to shift that um, sugar into fuel. And it's uh, too bad that if you don't eat it with the B vitamins and the minerals that were normally in that food in its natural state, once it's stripped out and refined, now we have to make up that that lovely nutrition from somewhere. So we end up taking another withdrawal from our personal bank account and spin that calorie into energy at a huge cost to our body. So we have to use up all our internal nutrients. And that's how you can be overfed and undernourished. We see a lot of people who have terrible nutritional deficiencies, but they're eating two or three times more calories than they need in a day. So that's the big first thing I say is, hey, can we get rid of those refined foods that actually make us feel exhausted? Because once our blood sugar goes really high, our body spits out a ton of insulin. And if we can't burn it as fuel, immediately it gets put into fat storage. And then once our blood sugar plummets back down again, we're so tired. So the good news is, is if we refill the bank account with the B vitamins and the minerals that we get from all the veggies and the fruit, then we can truly make more ATP, that energy on every single cell in our body. So that's why we want to really double down on green veggies. I love them so much, especially the dark leafy greens, because they they provide some rich amount of of the B vitamins that really make a difference. They provide vitamin B6, which is awesome for women's health. It really helps you make sure your estrogen is more balanced. It really helps, uh, you know, vitamin B5 helps your adrenals really ensure you have good energy output. Then you have um, folic acid. I find it so funny that folic acid is added to a lot of things, but the best source is actually naturally occurring vitamin B9 called folate. And and it's easy to remember because folate is Latin for foliage. So you, you just look around at anything green and leafy and you're good to go. Just eat up those greens for sure. And uh, moving on to the minerals, that's why relying on chocolate is so seductive as an athlete because the rich amounts of phenylethylamine makes you feel euthoric. So it really adds to the runner's high, but also that little tiny bit of caffeine will motivate you. But more importantly is the magnesium and the chromium and the other minerals are extremely rejuvenating. So that's why so many people uh, really reach for chocolate when they need that extra boost. Just make sure that you're not having white sugar chocolate. There's so many good brands out there that I'm sure you've found, Nicole, uh, where they use coconut sweetener. They use stevia as a replacement for that nasty white sugar, and you just feel so much better for it. Oh, absolutely. So when you're um, talking about the B vitamins and things we want to get back in us. Um, I don't know if this is true, but 
going back to the three P's, is this part of the phytonutrients P? Well, what's cool is that the phytonutrients typically have B vitamins alongside them. The phyto the phytonutrients are really the colorful um, phytochemicals we're seeing when we look at a rainbow of food and the vitamins will be tucked in right alongside it. So all the green foods are high in vitamin Bs, all the um, oftentimes the orange foods are high in pro-vitamin A, which turns into vitamin A in your body. And those orange foods, like think squash and pumpkin and sweet potato, that really helps people with respiratory problems and skin problems because it increases how fast you flip your cells over, which is really good if you're trying to fight off colds or recover from a really heavy workout. So I find um, every color has its gift. Another color, you know, red foods, very often high in vitamin C. And oh my goodness, athletes need lots of extra vitamin C because you burn through a lot of adrenaline and cortisol in your workout. And to replenish your adrenals, your your body desperately needs extra vitamin C. So really enjoy, you know, the berries are such a great source, of course. And funnily enough, red peppers are one of the richest sources in nature, up to 300 milligrams of vitamin C for one pepper, which is equivalent to five oranges. And that's really going to give you a natural boost. So earlier, you spoke about how the what we want to do is fight the free radicals, which happen, yeah. I think, naturally when we're out pounding the pavement, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So maybe you can talk a little bit more about what that means or educate us a little more on how we actually hurt ourselves with every step we take while we're helping ourselves. Yeah, well, it's all about balance. And that's why I really feel for the extreme endurance athletes, like the people who are, who love Ironman, Iron Woman competitions, that's when we do have to really bubble you up in <laughs> extreme phytonutrition because uh, it, 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 at a, at a, they say like around the two, three hour mark is where we've exhausted our kind of natural reserves and we're, we're, we're really, it's a bit of a cost to your system to go that far. So that's why when we come back from a run like that, one of the great things you can do to repair your, your tissues is actually, if I can move into the importance of omega-3 for a moment, when people think omega-3, they think, oh, it's good for their heart. But omega-3, which is found especially, the richest source is found, of course, in fish and in sea, seaweeds and algaes. That special form of omega-3, it's called eicosapentaenoic acid, and I'll just call it EPA for short. I have a real easy way to remember the acronym because it eats your pain away. EPA eats your pain away. And that's the special part of omega-3 that is extremely uh, potent in this ability to quench the fire of inflammation in your joints, in your, in your muscles, it actually helps to lay down more muscle so you don't have sarcopenia or loss of muscle. It helps to build bone mass. It actually helps to replenish your adrenal glands so that you have more energy to give for the next race. It's really good for gonads because a lot of women, you know, when they push themselves hard, it's a little bit hard on their reproductive organs. It's also wonderful for your thyroid, which, you know, one in three women over 30 have thyroid issues. So I just really want everyone to remember that omega-3 is actually vitamin F. It's classified as an essential nutrient because you can't make it inside your body. You have to eat it. 
So definitely make sure to get enough of that. And if you're not a big person to devour piles of fish because of the concerns over the environment, then thank goodness they've got uh, really lovely algae oils now that provide this EPA in a concentrated liquid, like Nutrisys, one of the, the best ones I've come across, that actually has rich amounts of this special form of omega-3 that will really help athletes thrive. Oh, yeah, for sure. So uh, where can people, you know, get this? these? Are they supplements or are you getting your omega-3s from foods? Yeah, you can get your omega-3 from food. But if you are an athlete that's pushing the envelope or you're already inflamed, then you, you often need to have, get this, 35 servings of fish a week or one teaspoon of highly concentrated uh, fish oil per day. Yeah. So so it's hard <laughs> to get enough at the dosage an athlete needs or a dosage that someone with, say, rheumatoid arthritis has um, to really make the difference. So now they're saying, hey, if you if you need extra, then at least uh, having something like that, that NutraVeg. NutraVeg, the reason why I mentioned it is one of the, the brands I noticed that's using this algae. And the algae is, is really pre-converted and ready for your body to utilize instead of just eating more flour or chia because I love flax and chia it's a good whole food but you would need to have like cups of it a day to give you what you need if you're wanting to use it as a powerful anti-inflammatory because people are realizing it can be as powerful as an anti-inflammatory in the right dosage got it okay so let's talk inflammation in a little more detail yeah so how how do people know if they have inflammation how does it present itself Love that question. So basically, inflammation is your body's emergency healing response that comes in when something's gone haywire. And there's four major causes of inflammation. And they are all starting, I've kind of made sure they all start with the letter I. So it's kind of like the four I's of inflammation. So I really like to think of inflammation as being caused by infections. You, you've seen that red hot throat when you get a throat infection. Then moving on to uh, imbalances, either hormonal imbalances or nutritional imbalances will cause uh, a, a deficiency or a, a, a chemical or hormonal topsy-turviness in your body that will cause inflammation. And then another one is irritants. So either toxins or food allergies will often be in the background of your inflammation. And then last but not least um, is injury. And athletes are very prone to injury. One ankle roll, you know, you might have dealt with it really well when you were 20, but by the time you're 40, that same ankle roll might take two or three times the amount of time to heal. So we need to really double down on the things we can control, which is our lifestyle, our rehab, our diet, to ensure that we can uh, reduce that inflammation as quickly as possible. Because acute, infl acute inflammation saves your life. But chronic inflammation becomes pain that we just want to avoid. So let's make sure to switch off chronic inflammation if we can. Yes. Okay. So everything we're talking about um, in the, I guess, in the realm of being an athlete is about building a good immune system, uh, eating foods, and creating an environment in our bodies that can create more energy for us to expend and and healing ourselves at the same time. You got it. Right? Yes. And yes. Our, 
a lot of the foods that you eat to do this sound like they're in the same family. So it's not like you have to be like, well, I eat these foods for energy and these foods to heal myself and these foods. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great news is that really all the veggies and fruit have to be at the backbone of an athlete's and uh, anybody who's inflamed and wants to recover quickly. It has to be the backbone. The anti-inflammatory pyramid looks very different than the standard pyramid of food. We want to have veggies and fruit at the bottom instead of grains, because if we can get the carbohydrates from those wholesome sources that have all these really nutrient-dense packets of vitamins and minerals, then we can truly feel that surge of energy that comes with all those uh, rich vitamins. And we have to remember electrolytes, like that's what's so cool. I love talking to athletes because they go, oh yeah, I drink electrolytes all the time. Electrolytes are literally minerals that are electrically charged that, that are really running the electrical system in your body. So if you want great electrical charge and you want to have great energy run along the circuits of your body, you have to have extra electrolyte minerals, which are potassium. Where do we find it? Veggies. You know, potassium is followed by magnesium, sodium, you know, all the calcium. Where do we find all these things? We find it way higher in, in our produce items than we do in any other food that we could possibly eat. And that's why it's so funny when I see people drinking these sports drinks and I'm like, one piece of fruit would knock all these sports drinks out of the water for the mineral content. So I hope people don't feel that when they're knocking back a sports drink that they really are getting the minerals they need. Yeah, that's a really good point. And you know, what comes to mind too, is that we're talking a lot about fruits and veggies. And um, I'm, I'm a vegan con convert after many years of exploring. But I've also realized that, you know, my body tends to go get, you know, deficient in certain areas over time, because I'm not necessarily paying attention to the well rounded aspect of eating. So a lot of people when you're an athlete, and you say, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm plant based, or I mostly eat plants. Um, people will go, well, where do you get your protein? And how can you fit that in? And you go, Okay, what's the real argument here? So how can athletes maintain? I guess my question for you is how can athletes maintain that plant base fruits and veggies as a base but still get the other things they need to fuel them for whatever event they're training for i love to hear this question because there's really five areas that that people who are leaning towards vegetarian or veganism need to watch out for so beyond uh protein uh, which is really one of my favorite sources of protein. I just want to give a huge shout out to is hemp hearts, which are very popular in, in Colorado hemp hearts, which is the inner part of the hemp seed is one of the most nutrient dense uh, seeds. It's ridiculously high in magnesium, zinc, iron, and uh, vitamin B's and a ton of uh, a special type of fat called, uh, GLA, which is great for um, for women's hormonal health, and then also a really good amount of protein. So and and a nice balance of the amino acids, so you don't have to worry about complementing it where you would with legumes, putting it with say a grain. So it's really a, a big shout out for the protein group. It's also extremely easy to digest before race day. Have you ever tried hemp hearts when you're uh, really going for a run? I have eaten them, but not in mm -hmm. that sort of focused capacity. Yeah, it's wonderful in a smoothie because it's super creamy. Like the inside hemp heart actually is a very creamy, uh, buttery, dairy-like texture. So it makes the back 
of most of my smoothies and a lot of my soups as a dairy replacement, which is really fun. Ooh, so I definitely worth, that. yeah, really worth trying that on. And then, um, complimenting that just remember as a vegetarian that iron uh, so interesting women who are athletic we have to remember that we do bleed every month and we let go of our iron and one third of women on the planet are anemic and often anemic athletes uh, who are vegetarian almost wear it like a badge of honor like you know I you know I'm, I'm anemic and I'm like well we have to solve it because it it isn't just about energy. The actual iron is required to carry the oxygen in your blood. So anemia, anemia will cause real dip in performance. But it's also incredibly important for immunity and brain health. So if you don't have rich amounts of hemoglobin, your brain is going to suffer and you might end up with brain fog. So I do want... Um, the vegetarian athletes out there to go, hmm, where can I really find iron? And, you know, lentils are a great source, thank goodness. Hemp hearts are a great source. And oftentimes, the darker the uh, the veggie, the higher the iron content. So like beet greens is a really decent source of iron. Uh, so many things to talk about. But moving on to iron, is uh, we've covered iron. Now on to zinc is another great one. Uh, zinc is, is uh, a bit tricky to find uh, because zinc is really, really high in seafood. You know, most people get their zinc from eating piles of shellfish and, and, and fish. But for you, really make sure that you're, you're having the, the seeds, like pumpkin seeds is another source of zinc that uh, a lot of people rely on and also a great source of protein as a vegan athlete. Yeah, so you, you've got the omega-3s, uh, the omega-3s, iron, zinc, uh, and of course vitamin B12 is our last one of the five. My goodness, I'm not going to lie, I think most vegan athletes should just be on a vitamin B12 supplement, sublingual, uh, because it's just really difficult to find it. Um, there's a B12 analog in spirulina, but most people aren't able to utilize it. And a little tiny bit in highly fermented foods. But I really don't feel that there's enough there. And that's why most people, when tested, if you're vegetarian or vegan, you will have a vitamin B12 deficiency, which is critical for energy, critical for energy. So uh, definitely, that's one area I would supplement if you uh, are found on blood work to be low. Well, and you know, I think it, it makes sense that everyone pays attention to these areas too. And I, it's interesting when you mentioned iron issue, that's what reared its ugly head for me about two years into eating this way. I got my blood work done and they were like, oh, your ferritin is at 5.5. It's fine. It's within the normal range. And that's just what like a normal doctor would say to someone that they don't realize is, you know, an athlete at a higher level or at any level. I mean, that's really, really low. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, for me, it was learning what foods can I eat? And then I need to get on some supplements to boost immediately. And it, I really felt a difference. So important. Yeah. I mean, we, we and just, we forget that, that, um, oxygen to iron piece, the fact that without iron, how do you carry your oxygen? And it's all about your oxygen when you're when you're trying to boost your performance and have your muscle twitch fibers work faster 
then that's going to be a really big one. So I'm so glad we covered it. Yeah. And you know, I think the other big thing is that we know our bodies and we know when something's not right. And if you keep getting sick or you're feeling sluggish or you can't think as quickly or Mm -hmm. clearly, like, yeah, Mm -hmm. part of that could be we're getting old, you know, whatever, (laughs) like the kids are taking up too much of our brain space or who knows what's going on, but you do know your body. And so if it keeps happening, you got to go get it checked. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And remember that, that if we look to Okinawa, Japan, if we look to Sardinia, Italy, there, there's people with, uh, people with a more plant-based diet, but they're living into their hundreds with incredible memory. So I don't want people to feel that it's just, it's just a side effect of aging. I believe that we can hold on to our memory and be vibrant our whole lives. Yeah. And, and, and just like you, like know that being plant-based for many years, I had to learn the hard way. And now I'm just really trying to help others um, get what they need to have the lives uh, to really pursue the dreams that they want to create. Absolutely. So are you an athlete? Well, I have uh, really changed my athleticism and have moved into free diving. So I love free diving because it's so exciting. It's so um, it's such a moving meditation. It's so challenging, you know, to hold your breath for minutes at a time and swim due south <laughs> to go down. My my deepest depth is seventy feet, and my longest breath hold um, on top of the water is three minutes and uh, three minutes and thirty four seconds. That's that's like it takes something to do that, and it's so different than just running down the street. Uh, and, and I think at my age, I just love that it's a mental game more than a physical game. And, uh, therefore it's really great to explore at this time. It has, it's very gentle on the joints in comparison to the old days of, uh, you know, bashing it out on the pavement. I don't know any free divers. In fact, it sounds like so crazy and foreign to me right now. You know how we're called to certain things at different times in our lives. I don't know yeah. if I'll ever be called to free diving, but like <laughs> the way you say it, it, it's a little romanticized. Like I can see mm. why this sort of meditative side is calling mm. to you. Well, you have to you have to meditate in order to hold your breath that long. You have to get your heart rate really low. So you have to be super chill. And then you have to really commit and have an economy of body energy in order to get to that depth on one breath of air. So it's it's fun. Let me tell you, I, I think if you love swimming, I think you would really take to it. You might be a mermaid deep down inside and you yes. just don't know it. <laughs> no, I'm definitely a mermaid for sure. Wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, let's, you mentioned pounding the pavement. So did you grow up doing other sports? Well, I mean, I always loved um, I always loved being active, but I can't say I was competitive the same way as some of my friends were. I was more in the dance world, which has its own injuries related to it, right? So I, I love um, anything that gets uh, the heart pumping and adrenaline. So I used to play a lot of ultimate Frisbee, which was a really fun sport. Um, I, I'm kind of sad I gave that up. 
because I, I find that one is is so you run kilometers every every game, right? So it's it's really good. Maybe I should circle back to that. You know, it's interesting. I think like the sports that people gravitate to say a lot about them, and I feel yeah. like you have a very multifaceted personality because you mentioned <laughs> dance. And I feel like dance is all about this like self drive for perfection. Mm. And um, I don't know if that's true or not, but ultimate Frisbee is like the ultimate fun aggression. (laughs) And they wear skirts. Hello. And then, uh, (laughs) you know, free diving. I mean, that's taking you to like a more mature new side of yourself where you're digging into like you Mm. said, the, the, the psyche more. Really I love your, your, your psychology. It's amazing where you go in these interviews. It's awesome. Thank you so much. And I just want to say thank you so much for building the framework that allows us all to dance in this conversation. Like you are such a good interviewer that it allows us to all have a chance to bring our message out. So thank goodness you have this podcast. Oh my gosh. It's like one of my favorite things. And you know, I think many of us don't realize our strengths or you know, what could potentially become new careers or things like that until we kind of stumble into them. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's how I feel about this podcast. (laughs) That's beautiful. You do a great uh, job. I want to go, I actually want to go back then and maybe talk a little bit more about how you stumbled into a career as a healing artist. What's Ah. your background in the world of food and nutrition and eating? Well, I actually came to it at seven years old because I had profound attention deficit hyperactivity disorder and learning disabilities. And my mother found the work of of um, Dr. Feingold, who believed that children's learning potential and attention deficit at the time was just called hyperactivity could be really reduced by introducing a lot of whole foods and taking them off all refined food, all refined sweeteners, all refined um, dyes, specifically red dye and yellow dye. And once my mother uh, tried it, she did an experiment. She took me off all refined food, started making everything from scratch, and my grades went from Ds to As in two weeks. And I slept through the night for the very first time. And I was able to learn. And I owe her the world for that. So thank goodness she did that. I was so really grateful. You were seven. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you're not, you know, you're not 80, but you're not 20 still. So, yeah, you know, at the, in those days when you were growing up, were you like, this is sucks. This is weird. I'm eating like, you know, foods that my friends aren't eating. Or how did you feel about what your mom shifted you to? Um, I rebelled a lot in the early days. I used to like sneak candy in the back school playground with my friends. I would like trade off this like weird food my mom would make me and like, but then eventually I started to understand that sugar made me incredibly sad and very aggressive. And I didn't want to feel that way. I'm getting choked up. I didn't want to feel that way. So I actually made the connection very early that food affects how we feel as much as how we perform. And that's one of the big reasons why I uh, now have chosen to be sugar-free for over a decade, well over a decade, probably 15 years now, being completely off refined sweeteners. Because I just, yeah. How do you do that in, you know, an on-the-go, with an Mm on-the-go lifestyle? Yeah, I've learned how to really order in a restaurant in a really fun and unique way that 
I enroll the chef when I first arrive in making something new that might not be on the menu. Um, I basically kind of look down and say, hey, can I just like hold this sauce and maybe have some olive oil and, and lemon juice on a salad and just like really simple that way. And then really, truly GPS a health food store every single location on my book tour stop. So I like land and like run, not walk to the closest uh, health food shop and load up and then live like a turtle, just like carry some health food with me. And I managed to avoid all the the truck stops and the vending machines and all those places that tempt most people. Yeah, because sugar, that's the toughie. It is addicting, I think. Is it? Is there science behind that? Oh, absolutely. It's as addictive as cocaine. It's super addictive. So we have to be very mindful to, uh, yeah, how do we say, come up with the methadone to the heroin. Like if sugar is, is heroin, let's use other sweeteners as like the methadone to break up with that white refined sugar. And that's why like my favorite direct substitution is raw unrefined honey uh, as a vegetarian or a vegan you may not be so big on honey so one of the vegan ones that are much kinder to your system is coconut nectar or coconut nectar dried into a powder because it actually is filled with amino acids and b vitamins and all the things we talked about to help you refill the bank so you don't have that white refined sugar running running amok in your system yeah well, and a lot of times we, I guess we figure out that things don't work for us or they, you know, we do have certain, certain addictions to them through trial and error and maybe doing too much of certain things. And one of the things I read about in your bio that I know is public is that as you got older, you experienced some bouts of bulimia. So yeah. how did that like transpire? Well, what's interesting is is I was on such a straight and narrow when I was a little kid that I think in my teen years, I rebelled really hard when I was dealing with a tremendous amount of pressure and stress. You know, I was an actress in theater school. I was dancing. And that world is riddled with eating disorders. And I found myself just with such such a, a drive for perfection that I was – I would – keep myself on a really, really tight diet. And then I would break out of food prison and have these massive 3000 calorie binges on like ice cream and entire loaves of bread and until I just couldn't hold it down. It was horrible. And then I went to a wonderful acupuncturist who was treating my knee for a dance injury. And she looked at me and she said, she was a former dancer. And she said, I think I know what your real problem is. Do you have an eating disorder? And I started crying. I was like, how can you know that just by looking at me? And she's like, I know, it takes one to know one. And we started therapy and I broke up with this unbelievable coping mechanism because that's all it was, was a coping mechanism. And once I figured out the pain underneath that and let go of the perfectionism, I was able to study eating psychology and nutrition. And now I bring that to my practice and help people break up with their own disordered eating and uh, heal their relationship to food and see food as a vehicle to love themselves and to heal themselves, which fills me with great joy. So oh. thank you. Well, and I think sharing your story is really important. It's just like that acupuncturist said to you, you know, it, it humanized it. You're not alone. There's other people who go through this and you can overcome, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Totally. You know, 
And at the end of the day, we all just want to feel like robust. We want to feel the most amazing that we can in our lives. And we know, yeah, there's hard work, yet we want to enjoy ourselves too. So it shouldn't feel like jail. You know, when you, when you check out, when I checked out your site, and we, we're going to encourage everybody to get over there, um, I saw a few different programs you offer. And some of the things that were interesting were, and there's a whole buzz around like intermittent fasting and time-restricted eating and what that means. And then there's this idea of the food sensitivities. And then, you know, there's ideas about detoxing. Like, where do people even start? Yeah, I think that's where um, finding someone who can curate the material for you is so helpful. And that's why I, you know, wake up and read the nutrition journals instead of the morning paper. Like, it's really having somebody, I think, to help sort of steer the ship a little bit is helpful. And journaling, food journal is such a key, key piece to help you understand what works in your body and what doesn't work. Really, that food experimentation is a critical piece because what I want to leave people with is there's 7 billion diets for 7 billion people. There's not one way to do it. And that's why you do have to kind of develop your own food intuition, which is something that I'd really love to help people with for sure. All right. So Julie, um, I think we need to talk a little bit here about detoxing because this is a big, like one of your early maybe entrees into this crazy world of health (laughs) came when you were a kid. And uh, I think your grandma has a pretty cool background story if you want to share it. Oh, I'd love to. My grandmother was an early follower of Paul Bragg, who invented things like the Bragg's liquid aminos. And he uh, really trained people to actually fast and really follow a detox healthy lifestyle. And so she uh, would fast one to three days a week, which was quite something. And just being around that type of person who would break her fast by juicing her own carrots in an old champion style juicer was just so enlightening. And she would like make her own sauerkraut and, you know, mull her own vinegars and like just incredible to be around someone that inspirational. So I feel so grateful that she rubbed off on me and that um, now I, I guess I'm just following that along and thank goodness she she had such a sharp mind because she didn't have those huge glucose spikes. We now know that dementia in part is being called type three diabetes because the brain has a hard time receiving its glucose when we have lots and lots of blood sugar spikes over a lifetime. So I feel so lucky to have had a, a such a aware and conscious grandma. Oh my gosh. And when you were little, I mean, was this just like the norm for you? Or did you think like, wow, my grandma's kind of doing something unique? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just thought she was exceptional because she cooked everything from scratch. And she was just one of those joyful people. Like you walked into the room and she just threw her arms around you. And that that loving, joyful energy um, is with me to this day. And I just really want everyone to experience what the mood elevation that comes with eating healthy whole foods, because the science is there. We now know that having a high sugar, high flour menu 
can really increase your risk of depression more than 50%. Where eating a high produce menu, like you find in the hot detox, can reduce depression risk by 26%. So that's like a 75% swing when we go from white refined sugar and flour over to a lot of produce. So I really think if people knew, hey, it's not just what I get to see in the mirror, it's not about the scale, it's actually about how I feel and how joyful I can be, I think we'd have a lot more people trying on this way of life. Well, and the only way to experience that is to actually give it a try. And, you yeah. know, people are scared to jump into things. They, like, know they want to change their habits, but they're scared to change their habits. And how how am I going to actually be able to take this and make it a daily practice that's doable, you know? Mm-hmm. But, and, and not only that, if you're an athlete, a lot of people are listening or training for things. And when yeah. you talk about a detox or a cleanse or something, intermittent fasting even, you know, people don't quite know how can they fit that into their life as an athlete, not get totally depleted while they're training, you know, to the point where they're getting sick right before their race or have or can't train. So maybe you can talk a little bit about how people can maybe take the first steps. Yeah, I'd love that. I, I'm a big believer in putting things in instead of saying we have to cut things out initially, because when we put things in, the good healthy produce outcrowds those other foods and our taste buds start to change. We have to do it a little bit more gently and organically because when we force, when we go on a diet, it's proven that 95% of the time it's going to fail and it's going to rebound and people may even gain more weight. But if we just put in the good things and make those tiny little changes, and my big thing was counting the amount of produce. So a serving of salad is a cup, a serving of other veggies like broccoli is half a cup. It's really easy to just measure out you know, one head of broccoli is like four or five cups of of beautiful greens. That's 10 servings of veggies. So could you just like really boost up that one habit in your life and say, okay, I'm going to start there. And then when you're ready, could you swap out the sweeteners? So instead of having sugar, you're looking for a honey or coconut nectar or even better, Uh, a zero calorie sweetener like monk fruit, which is 200 times sweeter than sugar with no calories. And that way you're just making these delicious changes instead of it being deprivation, it's expansion. I always feel like if you have more to eat, more fun things to try, then it's like, hey, this is this is like a new hip thing instead of it being like, oh, here, I have to be on this restricted menu plan. Yeah. And it, it, you know, this idea of perfection is very pervasive. And, um, you know, a lot of times people will start a day with all the best intentions, something goes wrong midday, they put something in their mouth that they feel bad about. And then they go, Oh, the day is blown. I'm just going to eat cheeseburgers for dinner. You know, like, it's so what's your take on perfection? And, you know, how what's your philosophy on doing the best we can? Yeah, I feel it is so important for us to let go of food shame and and stop saying, you know, oh, I'm so bad or I have no, you know, beating ourselves up with lack of willpower and just and just really seeing that the food that you're eating is is often very much a comfort and a a tool that we've used to cope with stress. 
and that we just need to develop better tools and those old tools will fall away. And and to use another analogy, it's kind of like having a badass boyfriend. When we're eating junk food, it's like we're hanging out with a rebellious boyfriend that's like, you know, really kind of fun and really gets our adrenaline going, but we know is going to make us feel really naughty in the morning, like really gross. You know? So could we instead kind of say, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to get an upgrade here. I'm going to like find a better relationship that's going to nurture me now and later, and it's going to taste absolutely delicious. And I promise you that there's substitutions for everything, everything. Like I, I, I have substitutes for cheese, for, for ice cream, for, for chocolate, like anything that you crave, we can find a super healthy, delicious version of that, that will help you let go of the thing that's derailing your health efforts. Because nothing tastes as good as healthy feels. Nothing. Wow, I love that quote. And earlier in the interview, I said, like, how, how can people even organize this? And you said, you know, maybe find a guide who can help organize it for you because there's a lot to take in. And uh, I think you're that guide. So we got to send people over to your website and check you out and you can help them understand how to get started um, when they want to make these changes. You know, I was thinking about, I'm listening to you and I'm hearing the passion and I guess the question just popped into my head. What are you most excited about right now? (laughs) I think the thing that's lighting me up so much right now is intermittent fasting. So it's so funny, we haven't really delved into it. I'm on my 300th and second day of intermittent fasting. And that's what's so funny is when people think of intermittent fasting, they don't realize that you eat, you eat a lot, and you enjoy your food, you're just compressing the amount of time that you eat it in. And it just the results are so extraordinary that I would love people to have that uh, eureka moment that they can have really awesome jump in their immune system, in their uh, focus, in their mental clarity, in their willpower, uh, when they start to just eat during the day and really focus on letting go of those late night eating uh, eating spells. And having been there, having been a person who binged eat, like, oh my gosh, I used to eat like a whole bag of chocolate chip cookies directly out of my clothing hamper because I know no one would ever look there because who wants to do the laundry? So I would I would hide treats in there and like binge all through the night. So I feel that I guess that's where I get a lot of my passion from is is the compassion of relating to other people who are in the exact same space. And I love just helping them change that relationship to food because I know on the other side once they get into a healthy relationship they're going to uh, have their joy and success go through the roof oh I love this well you know I think we have done a lot of uh, deep and surface diving both and free diving (laughs) we free dove today too right yes I love that you know why don't we wrap it with the question I ask every guest who comes on the show which is if you can help our listeners um, by giving them one little nugget, one final piece of advice to help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way, what would it be? I think if people are to look down at their plate and ask themselves the question, is this food for self-love or is this food for self-harm? And if they are able to answer the food is for self-love, that's great. That's great. 
if they look down and they realize that that food on some level is causing them harm, then we really have a good entry point to journal how we're going to help find a greater relationship that will truly help to change our health forever. And I think it's really just becoming conscious of what we're eating and having that slowdown moment before we jump that has uh, some very big eureka moments. And that's that's uh, where we can really, really help people. I love it. It's perfect. Self-love, not self-harm. Yeah. yeah. All right, Julie, way to go. Thanks so much for all Thank your time you. today. And uh, we are going to change this world for everybody. Amazing. Thank you, Nicole. And again, your podcast rocks and I can't wait to share it. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm back. All right. What'd you think? Julie is amazing. She is truly living her passion and I think she's helping so many people along the way. I definitely think there's at least one thing that anyone can get out of this episode. It's just such a broad expanse of education and passion and emotion and all kinds of cool stuff that we covered. Um, And I told you the day after this interview, I sauteed cabbage for breakfast and it's something I want to do more often. Healthy warming foods need to replace sweets for me. At least that's one thing I took away. You know, as Julie says, before you take a bite, look down at your plate and ask yourself, is this food for self-love? I challenge you to try this, to make this mantra a habit, because self-love is the root of our happiness. There it is. That's it. It doesn't get any better than this. All right, everybody, you know what time it is. It's time to go out and buy some cabbage for breakfast tomorrow. And of course, it's time to run this world. Have a great workout and I'll see you next week.